Section 9 of the History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Panos. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 9. Chapter 7. France. History from the Middle Ages to Louis Thirteenth. The memoranda we have already given will enable the reader to form an idea of the state of society at large. It remains to say something of the court, which in some respects was France. From Louis the Ninth to Charles V inclusive, it is said that the kings of France set no example of debauchery, and that the court rather encouraged virtue than vice when the sisters-in-law of philip the handsome scandalized paris by their loose life in the tour de nel into which they were said to have made a practice of inveigling students whom they assassinated when their lubricity was satiated the king had them brought to punishment and dealt with as though the popular scandal was well founded in fact when charles the sixth ascended the throne the scene changed this unfortunate monarch was not only himself weak and depraved but his wife isabel of bavaria was more vicious still the pair encouraged every practice that could shock modesty or outrage decency the queen lived almost openly with her lover the duke of orleans the king so long as he retained his reason was a leading actor in the scandalous masquerades of the court and narrowly escaped losing his life on one occasion when he disguised himself as a devil and danced immodestly before the ladies of the court round his loins as round those of his fellow demons a sort of girdle of tow had been fastened and all the masqueraders were chained together in the midst of their dances some foolish person threw a lighted torch at them their girdles took fire and all were burned to death except the king whom the duchess of berry saved by courageously raising her skirts and throwing them over the burning monarch charles had had many mistresses in his youth when he went mad the physicians directed the queen to refuse to discharge her conjugal duty charles had enough of his former nature left to resent this privation he even employed force and succeeded at last in compelling his wife to resume her place in the royal couch she contrived however to defraud him by hiring a pretty girl to take her place it is said charles never detected the fraud his wife meanwhile gave the reins to her loose passions and was known to have had at least a score of lovers a very striking picture of the manners of the time is afforded by the story of agnes sorel she was as is known the mistress of charles the seventh a lady of good family and otherwise than as the king's mistress of spotless reputation her influence over the king she used for the best of purposes it was she who roused him to make the efforts which eventually expelled the foreigner from france her private character was laudable she was amiable generous kind and true yet when she visited paris in the company of the king the crowd followed her whenever she appeared in the streets insulting her and calling her a prostitute in the grossest terms the king lived with her eighteen years but never ventured to acknowledge her publicly as his mistress of the four daughters she bore him three only were legitimated by his successor 
louis the eleventh had a seraglio and a colony of bastards before he became king nor did he alter his mode of life when he assumed control of the kingdom his favourites were usually chosen from the lowest class of his subjects many of whom had gone through an apprenticeship for the king's service in the houses of prostitution of the capital louis never pretended to bear them any affection he used them as he used the men of letters who composed for his diversion the lewd tales which have reached us charles the eighth appears to have been more virtuous than his predecessors though of course he did not pique himself upon any conjugal fidelity a story is told which reflects credit on his character it is said that during his campaign in italy when he retired to his chamber one evening he found there a young girl of marvellous beauty in a state of complete deshabille she was kneeling and in tears when the king entered on charles inquiring the cause of her sorrow she confessed that her parents had sold her to the king's valet for the use of his majesty and conjured charles to spare her the king was touched by her distress he inquired into the facts and finding that they were as she stated and further that she was betrothed to a youth of the neighbourhood he sent for him and married the young couple forthwith it appears certain that charles's death was caused by his indiscreet commerce with the sex all the chroniclers state that he fell a victim to the indulgence of his passions being frail of body and of feeble constitution the court of louis the twelfth was purer than that of his predecessors owing to the austere virtue of the queen louis himself had shared the profligacies of his family in his youth but on becoming king he allowed his wife to regulate his household according to her principles for the first time for many years say the old chroniclers prostitution was banished from court we shall have something to say of francis i in connection with syphilis of which he was a conspicuous and an early victim at the age of eighteen his mother stated that he had been punished where he sinned the misfortune did not operate as a warning his life was notoriously dissolute at a time when profligacy was so much the rule that it was hardly likely to be noticed brantome asserts positively that his expedition to italy was prompted by the desire to make acquaintance with a courtesan of milan whose charms admiral bonnevet had extolled previous to his time it seems there had always been attached to the court a body of prostitutes for the use of the courtiers francis suppressed this body and actually invited the ladies of the court to take their place brantome reviews this policy and while he praises it in view of the joyous pastimes to which it led he is bound to acknowledge that it produced the greatest immorality ever known in france the ladies of the town followed the example of those of the court and but little was wanting but that every woman in france became a prostitute it was the custom during this reign for the king to invite all his courtiers and their wives and daughters to lodge at the royal palaces from time to time the ladies had apartments by themselves and to each room the king had a key we are assured that the husbands fathers and brothers of ladies who refused to submit to the royal demands had but little chance of retaining their offices 
if they had been guilty of maladministration or peculation as was the case with most of them they could hope for pardon only through the complaisance of their female relatives the story of monsieur de saint vallier who was reprieved on the scaffold in payment for the favours which his daughter the beautiful diana of poictiers had granted to the king is too well known to need repetition here it was the boast of francis that he had always respected the honour of the ladies of the court and the boast was just from his point of view his visits to his mistresses were always made in a mysterious manner and at night even to the duchess of etampes who was his acknowledged mistress and procuress for a period of nearly twenty years he never behaved in public in a manner to compromise her reputation in private he was not so scrupulous when this lady's husband disturbed the king one evening francis drew his sword on him and threatened to kill him instantly if he dared reveal what every one knew or to punish the wife at whose adultery he had connived for years his idea seems to have been that words alone constituted the sin of debauchery on one occasion he took all the ladies of the court to see the royal deer in the rutting season but when a gentleman ventured a very obvious pleasantry on the scene he exiled him from the court for life his death has been frequently described some writers imply by their silence doubts of the authenticity of the story of la belle ferronniere but it rests on very tolerable evidence this lady who was uncommonly beautiful was the wife of a lawyer or a merchant the authorities do not agree on the point the king solicited her favours but strange to say was met with a positive refusal on consultation with the court lawyers however francis was informed that he could by exercise of his royal prerogative enjoy the company of any woman he pleased and the ferronniere was accordingly notified that the king commanded her to yield to his desire she confided the order to her husband who on reflection counselled her to submit meanwhile ferronniere himself used his best endeavours to catch a syphilitic disease which he communicated to his wife she gave it to the king who died of it after much suffering henry the second had the merit of fidelity not to his wife but to his mistress the latter was the famous diana de poictiers whose successful intercession with francis i on her father's behalf has already been noticed brantome asserts that she did not emulate the constancy of her royal lover saying that in her youth she had obliged many persons he tells a story which if true reflects credit on the temper of the king visiting his mistress one day he surprised her in the company of a courtier named brissac who had only time to hide himself under the bed after spending some moments with diana the king asked for some refreshments some boxes of confectionery were brought him and in the midst of his meal he took a box and threw it under the bed saying hallo brissac everybody must live diana lost no portion of her lover's heart in consequence of her infidelities this she owed in some degree to her extraordinary beauty which she preserved so late in life that it was commonly reported she was in the habit of using soap made of liquid gold 
henry was proud of his mistress and never concealed their liaison he had his arms interwoven with hers on many public buildings and pieces of plate he used constantly to ride through the streets with the beautiful diana on his crupper and he showed her so marked a preference over his wife that judicious courtiers never made the mistake of courting the latter but the orderly life of the king was not imitated by the court according to brantome and sauval the excesses of the age of francis were aggravated under henry it was rare says the former that ladies presented their virginity to their husbands and husbands who objected to the intimacy of their wives with kings princes noblemen and others of the court were issued from society a woman was held to be virtuous because she begged her lover to wait till she was married to gratify his desires married women who retained their love for the same gallant for several years were considered models of purity brantome intimates distinctly that ordinary debauchery fell short of the desires of the courtiers incest sodomy and similar enormities could alone satiate the passions of the old debauchees of the day the same writer partially explains the spread of vice by saying that within the last half-century the ladies of france had acquired the arts of italy nor is it doubtful that with the medicis many of the monstrous vices which have been peculiar to italy ever since the age of imperial rome were imported into france we hear all kinds of instruments of debauchery of lewd books and lewd pictures of indecent sculptures and bronzes being sold without let or hindrance in the stores of paris it was the age of aretino and besides that famous or infamous writer a number of other italians had competed for the prize of lewdness in composition poets painters sculptors seemed to try how far art could be prostituted cellini leonardo da vinci giulio romano niccolo dell'abate and indeed almost all their contemporaries debased their genius by the execution of indecent works many of these found their way to paris when pope clement the seventh undertook to prosecute authors of indecent books whether in letters or art most of the compositions that were endangered by his bull were transported to france brantome alludes to many of them as being quite common in his time he describes for instance a silver goblet on which the most indecent scenes were graven and which a nobleman of the court always obliged the ladies who visited him to use at table other noblemen had their rooms painted in fresco in similar taste it is stated that anne of austria caused three hundred thousand écus worth of frescoes of this kind to be removed from the ceilings of the palace at fontainebleau but in the reign of henry the second it does not appear that any one was ever prosecuted for dealing in this kind of merchandise during the three following reigns it was catherine of medicis who gave the tone to the court and really ruled the kingdom all historians concur in stating that she used prostitution as the mainspring of her policy she had a court of sometimes two to three hundred ladies of honour whom she employed to worm out the secrets of the politicians of the day they were known as the queen's flying squadron and it appears they performed their duties successfully of course at the cost of whatever virtue or decency the court still retained 
Brantome is still our authority for asserting that they introduced a new feature of debauchery. They took the initiative in affairs of this kind, and instead of yielding to the entreaties of lovers, it was they who pressed their lovers to meet them halfway. He likewise informs us that they aided the establishment in France of other vices, which had hitherto been peculiar to southern and eastern climates, by the revival of practices which had been common among the hetere of Athens it has been asserted that catherine wilfully tutored her children in habits of debauchery in order to divert their minds from politics and retain control over the kingdom but this scandal does not appear to rest on authentic evidence it is unquestionable however that charles the ninth the author of the massacre of saint bartholomew lived in incestuous intercourse with his sister margaret and there seems no reason to doubt the truth of the story that catherine more than once entertained the king and court at a banquet at which nude females served as waiters perhaps the best idea of the morals of the time can be obtained from the adventures of the margaret just mentioned who married henry the fourth king of navarre and afterward king of france it is said that at the age of eleven she had two lovers both of whom claimed to have robbed her of her virtue marrying the king of navarre she found means to leave her husband and reside at paris whose air suited her better than the country here her debaucheries were a common theme of scandal her lovers being counted by the score happening at last to give birth to a child which mysteriously disappeared her brother henry the third sent her to her husband in a quasi disgrace henry of navarre refused to cohabit with her the king vainly endeavoured to reconcile the couple with more zeal than tact he used as an argument with his cousin that the mother of the king of navarre had not herself led an irreproachable life at this henry burst into a laugh and remarked to the envoy that the king was very complimentary in his letters his majesty having in the first described the vices of the wife and in the second alluded to the frailties of the mother he persisted in refusing to receive margaret and she took refuge in the little town of Agen. but no sooner began to lead her usual life there than the people rose and expelled her she found a second refuge in the fortress of usson and there she lived twenty years in a sort of prison which she converted into a brothel she was debarred from the society of men of fashion and courtiers but for her purposes servants secretaries musicians and even the peasants of the neighbourhood answered as well and of these there was no lack returning to paris in her old age she did not alter her course of life she became outwardly devout and established a nunnery and monastery near her hotel the latter the people said in order to have monks always at hand but the list of her lovers remained undiminished to the very verge of her death nor did her husband present any striking contrast to his wife though he reflected so severely upon her in the work published under the title le divorce satirique bayle remarks that had he not expended so large a portion of his energy in the pursuit of sensual pleasures he would have been one of the greatest heroes of history he was profuse and indiscriminate in his attachments duchess or farmer's daughter it was all the same to him he changed his mistress once a month at least as an exception to this rule his affection for gabrielle d'estrées a very lovely creature whom he shared with the marquis of bellegarde and who bore him or them three children lasted several years 
he was not faithful to her and made no secret of his infidelities but he loved her passionately on one occasion he left his army in the midst of a campaign disguised himself as a peasant and travelled through the enemy's country to meet her he once went to see her but was stopped at the door with the announcement that bellegarde was with her his first impulse was one of rage drawing his sword he rushed towards the door but stopped halfway and saying no it would make her angry he returned home gabrielle was a very beautiful and charming person she was in the habit of having herself painted in a state of perfect nudity with her children playing around her when she died henry proposed to replace her by mademoiselle d'entragues whose beauty had made some sensation at court negotiations were opened with the lady who dutifully placed the matter in the hands of her family and father mother and brothers began to treat with the king for the prostitution of their daughter and sister they asked a hundred thousand crowns the king thought the sum large and offered them fifty thousand but the family refusing to give way he acceded to their demands they then added that they would like to have a promise of marriage conditioned upon the ladies bearing a male child within a year to this likewise henry agreed in spite of sully's remonstrances and mademoiselle d'entragues became the acknowledged mistress of the king it need not be added that the promise of marriage was never fulfilled some time afterward henry fell in love with a young lady who was betrothed to marshal bassompierre as ardent as ever he sent for the marshal explained his feelings and ordered bassompierre to renounce his claims the marshal obeyed and henry married the lady who was a montmorency to the prince of conde the marriage was hardly over before the king opened negotiations with the bride it will scarcely be credited that the emissary he employed was the mother of the prince of conde who left no means untried to effect the dishonour of her son the prince of less complacent temper than most other courtiers refused to allow his wife to become the king's mistress he removed her from france and just as henry was about to send after her the assassin ravaillac freed conde from the danger the disorders of henry the third the predecessor of the king of navarre are shamefully notorious there was a time during his reign when for the same reason which induced the establishment of dicteria at athens prostitution almost seemed a desirable institution at paris in his youth he had been a famous seducer of the ladies of honour an anecdote of his life at this period not only reveals the tone of the court but happily shows that depravity was not so universal as might be imagined when henry was chosen king of poland he was anxious to settle his mistress mademoiselle de chateauneuf by finding her a husband he applied to a courtier the provost of paris monsieur de nantonier but received the scathing reply that monsieur de nantonier would not marry a prostitute till the king had established brothels in the louvre it is best perhaps to throw a veil over the later stories of henry the third his mignon and the frightful infamies that were practised in paris in his time they may be divined from the fact that brantome mentions some orgies in which the king and a party of friends male and female stripped themselves naked and tried to place themselves on a level with the brute creation as rather redeeming instances of his sensuality we shall take occasion hereafter to follow the history of the court from louis the thirteenth to modern times meanwhile some features of society bearing on prostitution in the age we have sketched must be briefly noted 
it is asserted by all the chroniclers that the influence of the league was most pernicious a sort of religious enthusiasm seems to have been kindled by the sectarian strife of the period and practices which purported to be religious but were only immoral were encouraged by the highest authorities religious fanaticism ruled throughout france men and women walked naked in processions which were led by the curates as was natural at an age of civil war violence was freely used towards females by both of the contending armies at every city that was taken either by the leaguers or by the huguenots all the women married and single were violated by the soldiery such at least is the statement of a contemporary historian moreover in the general confusion no proper police was enforced either at paris or elsewhere and the windows of print shops teemed with lewd pictures which no one says the historian thought of having seized it was in fact a period of anarchy the moyen de parvenir by berwald de Vanille, which has reached us affords some criterion of the popular literature of the day aretino text and plates was much in vogue and sanchez and benedicti left their lay rivals far behind in the composition of works which may contend for the palm of lewdness with martial or petronius throughout the middle ages and indeed up to the middle of the seventeenth century great complaint was made by the clergy of the indecency of dress of the people of france about the thirteenth century it became fashionable to adorn the toe of the shoe or boot with an ornament in metal either a lion's claw or an eagle's beak or something of that kind some immodest person ventured to substitute a sexual image in bronze for the usual appendage and the fashion soon became general women even adopted it and all the best society of paris soon exhibited the indecency on their feet the king forbade their use by royal edicts and a special bull was fulminated against them by pope urban v but the monstrous shoes held their ground against both and were only disused when fashion set in a different direction the braguette was another enormity of the same character originally it is said the working classes invented the idea of a small bag hanging between the knees in which a knife or other utensil could be carried the fashion was adopted about the beginning of the fifteenth century by men of rank and became immediately of an immodest nature all the arts of fashion were called into requisition to give the braguettes the most novel and remarkable appearance and every possible means was used to render them at once disgustingly indecent and extravagantly rich they were attached to the dress with gay-coloured ribbons and when the wearer was a rich man were adorned with jewels and lace at the time montaigne wrote braguettes had almost gone out of vogue they were worn only by old men who in the language of their essayist make public parade of what cannot decently be mentioned women on their side invented hoops bustles and low-necked dresses the libraries contain a large collection of works written by moralists and preachers of the time against these indecent abuses of the ladies as they are all in use at the present time we may perhaps conclude that the old french moralists were unnecessarily alarmed but it is likely that the form of the bustle was by no means as modest as that of modern crinoline skirts and that the fashion of ladies drawers had not yet come in 
such at least is the inference from some of the criticisms they provoked the exposure of the breasts was checked for a time under louis the fourteenth but the reform was evanescent and the custom against which churchmen thundered in the sixteenth century survives to-day some allusion has already been made to the theatre theatricals were forbidden by the early french kings at the instigation of the church but the prohibition was evaded by the performance of scenes from the gospel dramatized from the remains of these moralities it would appear that they were always coarse and often immoral the devil always played a prominent part and would have been inconsistent had he not outraged decency under henry the third women began to appear on the stage and farces very broad in ideas and language began to be played instead of the old moralities we are led to believe that nothing was too scandalous to be represented on the stage in fact the idea seems to have been to crowd as much sensuality and vice into the farces as possible scarcely any incident of life was too indecent to be either portrayed or described and if the latter the description was given in the most undisguised language it is altogether impossible to transcribe scenes of this nature enough to say that women were made to go through the pains of childbirth on the stage husband and wife went to bed in the presence of the public and when modesty prompted the retirement of actors for causes still more indecent a colleague rarely failed to explain why they had retired and what they were doing behind the curtain many of la fontaine's most grivois stories were taken from farces which were once acted with copious pantomime before the ladies of paris even as late as the reign of henry the fourth plays of this character were commonly acted at paris in the hotel de bourgogne it was usual for the star actor to speak a prologue or an interlude which was invariably recommended by its indecency we have some of the titles of these prologues and they were generally of the same character as the one on the question uter vir an mulier se magis delectet in copulatione of the number of regular prostitutes exercising their calling in france during the fifteenth and sixteenth centuries no correct estimate can be made it was undoubtedly large during the religious wars a writer on the side of protestantism undertook to draw up a statement of the number of prostitutes and lewd women whose vices were chargeable to the clergy his estimate is of course open to suspicion as being a sectarian performance but allowing for great exaggeration it will still appear alarming he calculates that there were at that time one million of women more or less who led habitually lewd lives and ministered to the passions of the clergy these were independent of the married women who were led into adultery and of the pimps and procuresses who were in clerical pay to return to the laws regulating prostitution it appears that a serious effort was made to put it down under the sovereignty of catherine of medicis an ordinance of charles the ninth dated fifteen sixty prohibited the opening or keeping of any brothel or house of reception for prostitutes in paris 
for a short period it seems that the practice was actually suppressed and the consequence is said to have been a large increase of secret debauchery a few years after the passage of the ordinance a huguenot clergyman named Cayet proposed to re-establish public brothels in the interest of the public morals but the authorities of his church assailed him so vehemently that his scheme fell to the ground without having had the benefit of a public discussion and he was himself driven to join the romanists in fifteen eighty eight an ordinance of henry the third reaffirmed the ordinance of fifteen sixty and alleged that the magistrates of the city had connived at the establishment of brothels ordinances of the provost followed in the same strain and all prostitutes were required to leave paris within twenty-four hours an ordinance dated sixteen thirty five was still more rigorous it condemned all men concerned in the traffic of prostitution to the galleys for life and all women and girls to be whipped shaved and banished for life without any formal trial as might be imagined this ordinance was alternately disregarded and made to serve the purposes of private malice men who wished to revenge themselves on their mistresses accused them of being prostitutes but it does not appear that the actual supply was ever seriously diminished End of section nine.